All right. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you. I'm so excited to be here with you. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to continue our sermon series on letters. But um, I, I've been saying this. I said it in the first service. I'm going to say it again. You know, there's often times in life that we can take certain things for granted. So much so that when we go through them, we don't even realize we're going through them. We become numb to the entire emotion of it all. And if there's one thing this entire pandemic and, and quarantine season uh, allowed me to, to learn is that it is essential for the body of Christ to gather together physically as well. And I uh, never want to ever take that for granted. And I'm, I know that you probably feel the same way. But to me, it's just such refreshing, isn't it? To be here together. Isn't it refreshing? Amen. You know, so much so. Can we go ahead and give Lord Jesus before we go any further a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Yes. Yes. You know, <clears throat> I don't know what you've gone through this week. I don't know what you've been going through or for, for a season or whatever. I certainly don't know what's going to come about you in your life, but I know this, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. That is where our hope lies. That's where our hope should always be. And that is in Jesus himself. And I'm expecting for God to speak to us this morning and in a powerful way. I know he did in our first service and I'm expecting even more so here in the second service. But we have been for the last four weeks, this will be our fifth week on the sermon series called Letters. And what we're doing is looking at the seven letters that were written to the seven churches. Now, this we do understand about, the, about this is that Jesus Christ himself is the author. He's the one who literally wrote these letters. He's the voice behind the words. You know, uh, when we read the Bible and we look through the gospels, we see the red letters and we instantly think to ourselves, well, that's Jesus. We see that same thing here within Revelation. We understand that's Jesus. But I, I can't help but to put a little more emphasis in it here. It's not only his words, but he's actually writing a letter. Do you know when somebody writes you a letter or writes you a note, it's very intentional. There's something in it that's very important. It could be one simple point or it could be several points, but what? They're trying to drive home some type of communication. And that's what we see here within these letters. So let's jump in right away to Revelation chapter three, starting verses one through six. And this is what the Bible says. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your deeds. What does that mean? I know your works. I know what you've been doing. You have a reputation of being alive, but watch this. But what? You are dead. Verse two, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds, your works unfinished in the sight of my God. In other words, what you started out to do as the body of Christ, as a church, you have been dwindling away from. Verse three, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and then repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis, that's the church we're talking about here, who have not soiled their clothes. They will wake, they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. I love this part, verse six, the word whoever, what does that mean? Who does that include? Anyone and everyone that's willing to listen. We see that even in John 3, 16, which I always go over by the end of the service somewhere. But whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit 
or what the Holy Spirit says, what? To the churches. Now, notice he's saying this in the plural. Sardis was a church, but he ends verse six, acknowledging all the churches. Why? What is one of the reasonings behind that? Now, when these letters were presented to the church, it was, it was obviously presented. They had a, you know, a, a mail runner of some sort and they would deliver the, 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 the letter. And then the letter would be copied and then that letter would then move on to the next. So all in all, by the end of it, every church had received every single letter that was written to all of the churches. Why is that so important? Because listen, we can all gain something from every letter. Every church was able to learn something, not only for what was specifically being mentioned or trying to be communicated to them, but also to the other churches, because knowing this, that any time that God speaks, any time that Jesus talks and speaks and writes a letter like we're seeing here, there is something in there for us. There's those, I like to call them those golden nugget moments, right? Um, let's take a look at some history here with Sardis. It's located like the other churches in Asia Minor, which would be Turkey today. It was a great city of merchants, uh, great with the trade routes. It was naturally a beautiful place it had significant resources and its chief resource was gold itself. Uh, gold was plentiful there. There was a, a river or a creek that would run through it. And it's, it is believed that you could look down and see the gold, not only just on the floor of the water, but also along the shore as well. How about, who wants to go there right now, right? Like sign me up, pastor. I am going, I need some gold, all right? This is uh, where coins were first minted within the ancient world. Um, in fact, from 560 BC all the way through 546 BC, Sardis was ruled by the king of Lydia, King Croesus. He was renowned for great wealth um, until he was defeated by the Persians and then he was made a slave. Talk about a drastic change. He had personally funded the construction of the temple of Artemis or Diana. So we have pagan worship being listed here. This was happening within Sardis. Um, but once it was completed, it actually was considered as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Sardis was a center for trafficking of goods. Great ideas came from it, from Mesopotamia all the way through the Greeks, Ionian world. So we do know this, Sardis was a key military uh, post. It was, had a tremendous amount of money. It was a central place of influence. It was extremely influential. Now, I caught myself this week on this and I was listening briefly to the message from last week. And I don't know if you guys have caught this or not, but I keep going, let's turn to Revelations, right? Revelations. Let me help you out. It's Revelation, okay? And, and it is a revelation of Jesus Christ to the churches, a revelation to Jesus Christ to us. Now we, we can kind of probably come to agreement of this. This is God's last word to the nations. This is literally God's last words to Israel, God's last words to his church and God's last words to you and I. Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three read, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, as you go through the Old Testament and you see how God used prophets, prophets and using prophecy when he spoke, let me help you out. It wasn't always good. A lot of times when you read through that, it was, you know, uh, you know, punishment, um, devastation, 
uh, and what? Discipline, okay? But here we got, he says, spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, meaning Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things and through him, whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact reputation or excuse me, representation of his being. In other words, Jesus is representing the Godhead here. OK, it says sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sin. And Jesus did this all on his own, all by himself. Right. He sits down or he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We do know this about the right hand. What is it? It's power, strength, and protection. Anytime you see the right hand being mentioned within scripture, it's talking about what? Power, strength, and protection. Have you ever, have you ever heard of the right hand of fellowship? What does that mean? That means that friendship is providing what? Power, strength, and protection. Okay, so we see that listed here. Now, why can Jesus say all of this about himself? Revelations 1.8 says this. I am what? The Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is right now. God is. Let me help you out. He still exists. He's still moving. Jesus is still moving in our lives, right? Who was, that means in our, you know, what, what we see within our past, what we see within historical uh, literatures, especially through the Bible and through the scriptures. And then even more importantly, who is to come? And then it doesn't stop there, but it calls him what? The Almighty. Do you know you serve the Almighty One? There's no God like Jehovah God. There, there's no other being that will ever surpass how majestic and how powerful he is. He is our all in all. He is the great author and the finisher of all things. He's the creator of all things. He is what the sustainer. He is continually with us. He's in our midst. He's walking with us side by side in every aspect of your life. Jesus has never once left you and never will he leave you. Can I help you out there and say service one didn't get that one, okay? Chapter 22, verses 12 through 13 in Revelation, he says, look, I'm coming soon. Praise God. Amen. Come on. That was weak. I, I tell you what I'm looking for is coming. I am looking for him calling his bride, the church home. Amen. He says, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. Give me some. Right. Thank you. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. First Timothy chapter two, five through six says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man who Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom, he gave up himself. He was sacrificed for you and I. I always refer back to this word. He was slaughtered for you. He paid a price you could never pay that you would never be afforded to pay. Jesus stepped in for you. He gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the prop proper time. This is the testimony of God regarding the deity of his son given in due time. Watch this Galatians chapter four, four through five. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of what? A woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Let me help you out. I fail at the law every day. I don't know about you. Maybe you're way better than I am, but he redeemed me from that. 
I am all what? In relationship with him. I'm not doing anything because I have to. I'm doing it because I love him and I want to. It's so much easier to live for him when we have that hunger and that thirst of, you know, going after righteousness and and wanting to be closer with him than it is when we feel like we have to. When we're willingly giving ourselves up and saying, Lord, I want to be in relationship with you. The set time that was mentioned there is actually meaning when you hear the message of Jesus Christ, the revelation of you get the revelation of his person, of his mission and of his glory. The moment you heard the gospel message, you received the revelation of his person, person, who he is, his mission, what he was about and his glory, what he is, what shining on us. He has a radiance that is what brilliant the Bible says. Did you know Jesus is contagious? Everywhere Jesus went, people flocked to him today. When people get a taste of how awesome he truly is, what do people do? I need some more of that. That is the true answer to life. That is the fulfillment of what I've been going. He is the all in all. Hmm. So Jesus is writing this letter. Let's jump into it right quick. And he's saying, I'm writing to you, remind you this. Number one, I know all things. We've said that in every message so far. So far of the letters. He's reminding the church, I know all things. In other words, anything that you're doing in life, you're not doing it without me noticing it, without me knowing it. How about this? There's some things in our lives we don't want, we, we, we would rather Jesus did not know about. Amen. Right? Absolutely. Uh, he, he knows all things. He's the second person of the Trinity. All the attributes of the Spirit and the Father, he what encompasses all of them. He's incredible. He is God incarnate. He knows everything. The first verse within our text says to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your deeds. I know what you've been doing. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. But look at Jesus's assessment here. He says, but what? You are dead. Mm. That's a strong rebuke. We don't see that rebuke in any of the other four churches, but we see it right here. He holds the seven spirits of God. We know that. But he says this with this, but you are dead. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of our staff members and we were briefly discussing the seven letters. And, and it was like, Pastor, what, what letter do, do you feel that we are as a church? Most would probably say Laodicea right now. Um, but I'm actually going to refer to another one. And that's the one that we're talking about today, Sardis. If there's anything that has happened, I hope that we as a church have awakened, woken up. I think that's a word. (laughs) Allowing ourselves to come to, to, to a deeper attentiveness to the person of Jesus Christ and the relationship that we need to strive to have with him. The things that we once took for granted, I pray that we are no longer taking for granted. The scripture talks about the seven spirits of God and we really don't understand what those are. We really don't know what those seven spirits are. We can only refer to scripture to give us some guidance there. Revelation chapter five and six says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the center of the throne encircled by four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, here's what you need to understand about this little passage of scripture. And that is in the Old Testament. When it talks about horns, it's speaking about kings, authorities or rule. 
So we're able to gather here where it says he has or had is referring that when Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that Jesus is what that horn that's being spoken. He is the Lordship. He is all authority. Isaiah gives us a really clear definition, I think. And chapter 11, verses one through two, it says a shot a shoot rather will come up from the stump. This is referring to a rod, but it's also referring to the Messiah, Jesus himself. It says of Jesse, meaning that the Messiah was coming from the lineage. He was being an ascendant of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will, here we go. Here's your first spirit that we're talking about. Will rest. There's a spirit of rest that he's calling for the church. We need to have rest. The spirit of wisdom. Number two, spirit of understanding. Number three, the spirit of counsel is number four. The spirit of might is number five. The spirit of knowledge is number six. And fear is number seven. What? All of the Lord. In other words, he has all of these things in him. Jesus Christ is the totality of God and he knows all things. He is reminding the church in Sardis as well as the church of today. Listen, I know all things right now past and the future. He's talking to, about the seven stars. We see in Revelations 1, 16, it says in his right hand, what is the right hand reference? Power, strength, and protection. In whose right hand? Jesus' right hand, right? In his right hand, he held the seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was what? A sharp double-edged sword. What is that referring to? The word of God itself, scripture itself. It says his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Do you know when something has brilliance, it's, it's got a reflection, it's got a brightness. There's something about it that when, when it's uh, around anything else, it changes everything around it. It changes how you see it. You go into a darkened room, you throw the light on, it changes everything completely. That's what Jesus is to us. Into this world, a darkened world. Revelation chapter one, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels or the anglos, messengers or what the pastors of these churches. Big responsibility there of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I want to break off from there for a second because we saw it with the church of Ephesus as we were going through that. We know this. The lampstands is speaking of the church, but Jesus mentions that he is in the midst of those lampstands. Why is it a lampstand? Because a lampstand is what? It's, it's, it's holding something that is bright and brilliant, right? It's, it's making a difference. It's shining light into a darkened world. So Jesus is saying, I'm in the midst of those lampstands of churches. Who makes up the church? It's not the building. It's you and I. We're the ones making up the church. So that tells me that what Jesus is with us, he's in our midst. He knows all things. He says this in verse one of our text, he goes, I know your deeds, your works. I know your reputation, which meaning this, I know what you're noted for. Yep. Many of us have a, maybe a, a part of our lives that we've been noted for that we're not proud of. Jesus says here, he's calling out the reputation of this church. He says, I know what you're noted for. Watch this, of being what alive, but here's his assessment. In other words, here's the truth, you're dead. You think you're living your best life now, but you are dead. 
Remember, Jesus knows everything. He knows the compromise within your own personal life. What is it that you have dumbed down in the word of God to fit the lifestyle that you want? Allowing complacency to come in. Allowing for us to truly become lazy within our walk with Christ. Why? Because we are in a darkened world that we live in a society and a culture. I look at the news. I look at social media. I look at all these different platforms and I go, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Sardis was a light church, but Jesus says they are dead. In fact, it was a beautiful church. It was a well-off church, nice things. The inside of it was brilliant, but yet it was a dead church. I can't help but to wonder, since we have opened as a church, not only this location, but all across, as we have opened, has, and, and, and time has gone, has, have we become complacent? Has the zeal or the excitement worn off of us wanting more of God and more of his spirit, more of his son, Jesus Christ. Has our drive dwindled away? Has our, our drive to be in the word of God fainted? Are we allowing our hearts to be changed? Because we know this in Jeremiah 17, that the heart is what? Deceitful. It will lead you wrong. That's why it's so important. Lord, change me not from the outside in, but God change me from the inside out. And this needs to be a continual prayer because of the world that we're living in, the culture, in the society that we're challenged with every single day. We've got a lot of noise that's coming into us. What are we allowing to be filtered out? Through God's Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 8, verse 17 says this, For there is nothing hidden that, you will, not be that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Hebrews 4 and 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, everybody say everything, everything, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So Jesus is saying, he's written this letter. He's saying, look, I know all things. But number two, he's saying this, I see all things. Revelation 3, 2, what says this, these words, wake up. Strengthen what remains and it is about to die. What I love about it, this is a moment where he's, he's calling them out, but then he says, look, there's some things about you that are still good. Let's strengthen them. Let's not let them fall to waste. Let's not let those things die off. What does wake up mean? It means be alert. Right? Be what? Vigilant. Be watchful. If there's ever a time for the church to be alert, it's right this moment. He was calling him out saying, you have failed to be a watchful church. Their Christianity had become very predictable and mundane. It goes on to say strengthen. What is that referring to? Going around, shore up, reestablish, reconfirm, make resolute. Some of you, you may need to do that within your life right now. You may have allowed everything, the noise around you to really weaken you. And God is saying, let's strengthen up. Let's resolute. Let's, let's reconfirm. Let's reestablish again. I, one thing I love about God is I can start over all the time. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that gives us plenty of excuse to sin, 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 sin. No, it means when I go through them hard season, I go through those trials and tribulations and my attitude isn't great and my, my actions and reactions are not lining up scripturally. God says, look, let's strengthen. There's some things that remain. Let's get in there. Let's strengthen this thing up. But you can only do that if you're watching out, right? Waking up. How do you strengthen? Stay in your Bible, your reading plan. Why? Because it strengthens you. 
I say this all the time. If you have a reading plan, excellent. You need one. You need it. If you've dropped off and you failed it, that's okay. Pick it back up. Start over, start again, start afresh. If, if you've not had one, let's start today. If you're in it strong, keep on going because it strengthens us. Prayer strengthens us. The word remain was mentioned and, and that those are things that really matter, things that last. It's unshakable. He said, and is about to die. You have been slowly dying. This is what he's saying to that church. You have been slowly dying. You have been dying for a long time. And in fact, you're at a point of death. Is he saying that to our church today? Is he saying that about your personal life today? How does a church die? The same way a nation dies, the same way a company dies, the same way a family dies, the same way marriage dies, and the same way faith dies. And that is what? Not being rooted within our foundation. We must ask ourselves, are we self-centered? Are we self-impressed? Are we self-content? Are we self-promoting? When we stop being watchful, we stop strengthening. We stop remaining. We stop repenting. We do these things and we stop breathing. We are the body of Christ. Revelation 2, 3 says, For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of many, in the sight of my God, excuse me. Remember, therefore, what you have received. Do you remember? Listen up. Do you remember the word of, when the word of God came into your life? And rescued you. Do you remember the conviction that came over you? The problem is many people do not even feel conviction any longer. We have become numb to sin. We become numb to the things that God is pointing us away from. Do you remember the peace and the change that came into your life? Yes. Then remember it. Revelation 3, 3 says, and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Do you know, Jesus was under great sense of urgency. John chapter 9, verse 4 says, as long as it is day, we must, here's what we must do. We must do the work of him who sent me because night is coming when no one can work. We have been charged with a great commission to be disciples to others and, and sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in the time of day right now. We have every opportunity to share this message and we must do so. But how can we do it if we're living our lives like the church of Sardis? where it looks good on the outside, but on the inside, we are dead. Second Peter chapter three, three through five says this, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as if, as it has since the beginning of creation, but they deliberately forget. Listen, there is no love greater than the church when it is in love with Jesus. Let's personalize this. There is no love greater than you when you are in love with Jesus. So Jesus is saying a couple of things. He's saying, look, I know all things. He's saying, I see all things. And lastly, he's saying this, I do all things. 
Revelations 3, 4 through 6 says it this way. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. In other words, they've been weighed and, and they are heavy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. Jesus is making it completely clear that not everyone who attends the church of Sardis are saved people. It's a church, but not everyone in it is in relationship with Christ. I think that brings great similarities to the church of today. Not everyone who attends may be a follower of Christ. He says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. In Revelation 21, 27, it says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful and deceitful. This is speaking of heaven. But only those whose names are what? Written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to really break this down. Be attentive. Listen here. We have the book of life that every human being, the moment they are born, has been written within this book. Then you have whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a big difference here. What we need to have happen is for our names to be copied from the book of life to the what? Lamb's book of life. Now watch this in Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 12. It says, then I saw a great, a great white throne and him who was seated on her. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. Let me explain this to you, all right? Right now, all of our names, all who are hearing my voice, all, if you're watching online, you're in the parking lot, you're here, all of our names are written in the book of life. But not all of you have your name written potentially in the Lamb's book of life. See, we're all given every opportunity until our last breath to have our names written into the Lamb's book of life. How does that happen? That happens by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our name is then copied, not transferred. That means because if it's transferred, it's taken away from the other book and put into one. No, it's copied over to the Lamb's book of life. But let me help you out. If you are not a follower of Christ, the moment you give up your last breath, your name is then taken away from the book of life. And there's no record, no record of you. What a shame that would be. What a shame that would be for people who hear the gospel message. How horrible was that to think about for, for, for a, a savior who died a death, who took the place for you, who, you know, in that courtroom, as we saw um, in the church of Smyrna, where, where what, they would take the white stone and, and, and if somebody was before the judge that somebody would intervene and say, you know what, I'll pay the fine, I'll, I'll take, whatever discipline there is for their place. And then the judge would give the guilty one the white stone and give them a new name. How foolish would it be for us to not accept the name of Jesus Christ? How foolish would it be for us to not allow our names to be written in the Lamb's book of life? Would you stand with me this morning?
We are all given opportunities continually to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives. And today, I, I don't want to let a moment go by without offering the same opportunity for you. You watching us online or in the parking lot. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. He loves you. He gave up his life, what? For you. He paid a price that you could never pay. No matter of deeds or works will ever be able to pay the price of sin. But he stepped in as that perfect and spotless lamb and not only sacrificed, but was slaughtered for you. And today's the day that you can accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? This is your opportunity. Many of you may have been feeling God's Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. I wanna let you know this is the moment where your eternity can change forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is a gift freely given to you today. Will you accept it? If so, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I want us to all pray this prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you today as my Lord, my master, and my savior. Forgive me of my sins and I repent of my lifestyle. Lead me, Lord, into your perfect plan, purpose, and will for my life. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? That never gets old to me. Because every time I do it, I'm reflecting back on February the 6th, 1997. Y'all are going to always know when I gave my life to Jesus, all right? Because I always reflect back and I remember that moment. And I hope you will always remember the moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. But here we have the church of Sardis. It's been labeled as a dead church. But Jesus goes, but there's some things in there that remain and that can be strengthened. I don't want us to be a dead church. I don't want you to be dead in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to, if, if there's some areas where that need to be strengthened, then God strengthen these areas in my life. Allow your word, as James tells us, to be that reflection of our soul so that we can see, Lord, what it is that needs to change, what needs to grow, what needs to draw us closer to you in. I said this to the first service, I'm gonna say it to this one too. And that's simply this, you know, I've not been able to pray with you for some time. I mean, really pray. I, I, I can't call you down because we've got to stay within our guidelines and I don't want to do anything to jeopardize anything, anyone. But I want to, I'm, I'm going to change my prayer up a little bit today because I want to pray over your family, your marriage, your jobs, your health, your finances, your relationships, all of these things that make up your life. Because I don't know who's struggling in what area and who's flourishing in what area. But I know this, we all have need and we need God to intervene. So as we pray, here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't pray for yourself. Pray for all those around you. If you know somebody by name in here, pray for them specifically. If you don't, pray for everyone generally. I don't care. Just pray for somebody. Let's pray.
Father, we love you. God, I thank you that I get to be a part of a fantastic church. Lord, I don't want us to be a church like Sardis that was dead. I want us to be a church, Lord, that is alive. I want to be a part of the body of Christ as a whole, Lord, that is alive. Lord, that we, have, that we are breathing and that we are the very existence of the body of Christ, Lord. Help us in all the environments that we're in, God, that we can share that gospel message. But Father, I pray for everybody here. I pray, God, for marriages. I pray for finances. I pray for health. I pray for well-being. I pray for relationships, Lord. I pray for psychological matters, God. I, I, God, I, I pray for the spiritual aspects, the spiritual things of life. I ask, Father, right now that you will intervene in the lives of these who are here and watching us online or listening to us on the radio. God, I pray over all of them right now. And I, I ask you, Lord, visit them powerfully in a special way with your Holy Spirit. Bring real change, God, in their lives. Bring it inwardly so that, Lord, then it flows outwardly. Father, we love you. I thank you for every person. God, touch them, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God. May they know that when they've left this place or they log off of our, our live feed right now or the radio, Lord, that they have truly, Lord, heard a message from you, that they've been in your presence, God. Lord, you are a great God. You are an almighty God. You are the everlasting God. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. And Father, we say we love you and we honor you with our worship. We honor you with our lips. We honor you, Lord, with service, Lord. We honor you, with, Lord, with deeds, God. We honor you with our bodies, Lord. We honor you with our whole absolute being, Father. We honor you and we love you and we thank you. And as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.